You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard Dynasty Show. I'll be your host this week, Ali. You can follow me on Twitter at FFDynastyGrill. With me as always, well, we've got the band back together. Start with our amazing co-host, Kev. You can follow on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. Kev, how are you doing this evening? Evening, gents. I'm doing absolutely great. Thank you very much. I've had a little night away in Blackpool. Been to Coral Island on the Pirate Flyer ride, so I'm feeling absolutely perfect at the moment. Um, bit of a weird week, rookie drafts-wise and startups-wise. It seems to have quietened down a little bit, but... I know there's uh, from next week, there's all the wild card ones starting. So I'll be in nerdable figures from next week. So it's uh, the calm before the storm. And plenty of other things going on this uh, next weekend as well. Excellent. Yeah, I mentioned on um, on Mags' Dynasty Hot, Sheet, Hot Seat show that um, it was a bit of a weird week for me not having any any rookie drafts. They sort of quieted down following the NFL draft, but they're starting back up again. Um, and then come on to a man who's always in a rookie draft. It's, it's Matt, our co-host Matt, who you can follow on Twitter at Matt FF Dynasty. How are you doing tonight, Matt? Yeah, I'm doing really well, thanks, Ali. I've not had the uh, the adventures that Kev's, Kev's had this weekend. I've been just relaxing. Obviously, we've got a, a big weekend coming up this weekend with uh, with the streamer on the streamathon coming up. But um, yeah, being in my, my rookie draft, still going strong with with a few rookie drafts going on at the minute. Like I've mentioned, there's the the wildcard one starting soon. So yeah, I'm not too sure if I'm I'm that excited about tonight's show. As far as we've been giving it away as uh, as late round secrets, so um, it's going to be good in one sense, but it, it might harm us in another. But I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Indeed. And uh, you mentioned it nicely there about next weekend, next Saturday. So six days from today. Um, it would only be a few days from when this this podcast goes live. Uh, but here it is, our, our third charity streamathon, uh, Saturday the 20th of May. And um, we're starting at 2 a.m. Uh, sorry, 10 a.m. UK time to 2 a.m. the following day. So it's 5 a.m. Uh, to 9 p.m. US Eastern. Um, we're raising money, funds once again for Mind Charity, a fantastic charity dealing with um, all sorts of people with mental health is- issues, um, something that's been prevalent in, in society the last few years. So great work there. And um, we're raising some valuable money for them. Our Just Given page is open. Um, it's been open a few, uh, a few weeks now. Um, really, if you could, any sort of donation you can give is is really much appreciated or, or just to spread the awareness. So tweet it out and retweet what, what we tweet out. Um, just to spread the awareness and yeah, any donation is, is greatly appreciated as we've got a, a target to hit. So hopefully you can come along, join us on the stream of We've got some amazing guests lined up for, for next Saturday. Um, it's going to be a fantastic day, really rewarding. We're going to be talking about all 32 NFL teams from a dynasty perspective. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great day. I'm um, looking forward to it, boys. Um, and yeah, so we'll we'll tweet the link out and any donation. Yeah, it's greatly, greatly appreciated. So with that, Moving on to today's show, where we're going to be completing a rookie deep dive. So we're going to have some quick fire analysis. We're playing with rookie ADP, um, and we're looking at rounds two to four. So a lot of time we've been talking about rounds rounds one, the, the people you, you're picking at the top of the draft. We're going to dive deeper and go to round two to round four. So, yeah, let's do it. So starting in round two at the 201 at ADP, over to you, Kev. Yeah, 201's a guy that 
we have spoke about a little bit because he was expected to go higher pre-draft. Um, Zach Charbonnet at 201. Obviously got really great draft capital um, to be in um, round two, but in terms of landing spot, that, that killed him behind Kenneth Walker. I think we have seen him slide in rookie drafts. Um, I've seen 203, 204, 205, potentially some spots. Uh, startups as well, I've seen him going like running about 30-odd. So, yeah, it's that the drafts really really hurt his value but we do we do love the talent we know that there's a prospect free down guy um plenty of potential um i think it's one of these where you're just gonna have to play play for time really a bit like tony pollard when you had him and that you just know that eventually he will get a chance to shine it's just can you get him at a price where you're willing to hold him for so long because yeah i think until the opportunity arises you might get the odd splash week where he catches a few passes or gets touched down but starting in your lineups without a Kenneth Walker injury I can't I can't see that anytime soon especially with the addition of JSN as well in the past game it makes that pie even smaller um yeah it's it's really disappointing for for um for Charbonnet I think it's um it's just one of those where if you did your rookie drafts before the uh, NFL draft on rookie yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and with that, we're going over to, to the 202 spot. And this is where Dalton Kincaid's currently going the tight end for, for the Bills. And this is a really interesting situation where we've got a, a, tight, a rookie tight end that was selected in the first round of the NFL draft. I know a lot of people were hiring him in terms of fantasy because he was arguably the best receiving tight end out of this class. But to see him get that really high draft capital going in, in the late first round to the Bills, they moved up above the Cowboys to, to get the guy as well. So this is like really good signs pointing towards him being a, a big part of this, this offense. The Bills have clearly got a, a plan for him. It's interesting that Dawson Knox obviously still there, the other tight end. Um, but it seems like Kincaid's going to be a guy they're going to look to, to move around the field. He's going into a situation where he can potentially get quite early work. Obviously, we know there's Stefan Diggs there. And, and beyond that, there's not really a great deal. Um, Gabriel Davis obviously not hit the heights that many people expected last year. So um, I think he's going into a situation where we could actually get some early production out of this, this rookie tight end. I would argue that you might have to maybe reach a little bit higher to get him. I've seen him go in the, the back end of the first round, even in non-tight end premium leagues, it feels like that late first even in both Titan premium and non Titan premium scenes where Kincaid's going so guy might have to reach a little bit higher on to get but I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it develops um, as I say there's definitely an opportunity there for him but at the same time if he doesn't hit straight away I wouldn't be too worried he's got that solid draft capital we know tight ends can, can take a little while to, to get going and um, especially from a, a fantasy production side of things so um, a guy I really like but just just don't panic if he doesn't hit straight away Indeed, and don't panic if you don't get him in the first round because this guy um, is another tight end in Michael Mayer who landed at the Las Vegas Raiders at pick 35, so early round two. Um, this is where he has sort of been going in in my rookie drafts. I know Kincaid has been going slightly earlier, but um, certainly if you're at the back of the, the first round, um, I've always looked to try and trade back, and you can pick up Michael Mayer, who I've got in the same tier as, as Don Kincaid, um, and pick up some extra capital but yeah michael mayer landing on the raiders is a is a great spot in my opinion um jimmy g obviously landing there at quarterback um he, he loves to throw to his tight ends i think as a whole this is going to be a, a high powered offense you've got Devonte adams jacoby myers coming across from the patriots um and then you've got the the running back josh shakers as well so i think it's gonna be a really fun offense to watch michael mayer was all around perhaps the best tight end coming into this 
this rookie prospect. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a great landing spot for me. Um, I'm really happy to take him at, at the 203. Seems to be where, where he's going. I've not seen him slip far beyond this this spot. Um, I think the, the ceiling is there for Michael Mayer. I really do think that Kincaid and Mayer can make it into the top seven or eight tight ends within the first year. So I'm happy to, to reach sort of for one of these two tight ends in this in this area and, and take one of them. Yeah, 204. It's a bit of a shock to see this guy here, Sam Laporta, just with Kincaid and Mayer being um, the 202, 203. Um, I don't have him in the same tier. I know we don't have him in the same tier. So... Um, I think in rookie drafts that I've seen so far, he does have a tier of his own. Um, we sort of thought that it would be him and Musgrave, but the public don't see it that way. They see him as a clear tight end three in my eyes. And um, I think a lot of it is to do with the, the landing spot. People love that Detroit offense, fact that it's ascending, it's going to be exciting. Um, I think there is opportunity shots, and we know Jameson Williams, but there is a lot of good weapons on that offense. It's the Gibbs, Montgomery, um, Amaras, St. Brown. And we know that tight ends are, are slow to develop and really hit the heights for him to sort of go up in value early on. He's going to have to have a, an unbelievable rookie season, 40, 50, 60 catches, which I'm, I'm, I'm not banking on for any rookie tight end to do that with, with any real confidence. But I think 204 will be too high for me. I think 206, 207, 208. Potentially, yeah, I, I can get to that. But um, yeah, I tend to fade rookie tight ends a little bit beyond uh, beyond the market. So really interesting guy, but I wouldn't be taking it with 204. Yeah, going from, from one guy that got high NFL draft capital to another guy that maybe didn't expect to get high draft capital at 205, and that's Jonathan Mingo and the wide receiver for, for the Panthers. Um, I think all three of us weren't super high on Jonathan Mingo, but there was a lot of buzz around him, maybe sneaking into to the first round as we led up to, to the NFL draft. But even so, I was shocked to see him go um, as early as, as he did at the, the top end of the second round. But landing a really interesting situation going to the Panthers, where we all said after the first round that the Panthers need to, to get some more weapons around Bryce Young after selecting him. Um, with, with the first overall pick and, and getting Jonathan Mingo is a really interesting route to go. And, and as I say, the, the situation that he falls into, um, it's kind of going into a crowded wide receiver room, but you'd argue it's it's not the strongest uh, wide receiver room. Obviously, there's there's some aging talent there and guys like Adam Thielen and DJ Chark as well and, and Terrace Marshall, the, the young guy, all Kev's greatest hits there at, <laughs> at, the, at the Panthers. But as I say, I don't think Mingo was maybe one of Kev's, um, Kev's guys going into the NFL draft and... It's really interesting to see him land at the Panthers. I think at this spot, it's a spot where it's worth taking a shot and he's got that solid draft capital. That's something that we obviously target in, in fantasy football. That kind of correlates to, to to the better chance of success in, in fantasy football. And as I say, connecting to a, to a young quarterback in, in Bryce Young, I think they could form a, a bomb pretty early. And as I say, over the next couple of years, I think he can really forge his way to, to being one of the, the top guys in, in this offense that hopefully is going to change now in, in the coming years with Bryce Young there. Um, and as I say, I think at this point in, in the second round, it's it's worth taking that shot on a guy that's got such solid um, draft capital. Yeah, then moving on to a guy that's not got the best draft capital, landed on, on day three. Roshan Johnson at two, 206 seems seems to be separating himself a little bit from, from the next two running backs. Perhaps because of the opportunity that he's got initially, it seems like a crowded running back room with, with Donta Foreman, Khalil Herbert there. Um, but But none of those two guys seem to be like, workhorse backs um, i think they complement each other well i think roshan johnson eventually has got a chance to lead this this backfield for for chicago 
Um, you know, we know that Justin Fields is going to be running the ball a lot. I don't think that's going to change this year. Um, but then there is going to be plenty of scoring opportunities. I think this offense as a whole is going to take a, a step forward again. They've, they've got better pass pass weapons um, there now as well. So I think it's worth a shot taken on Roshan Johnson. I think it was disappointing that he was picked in round four. I, I had hopes of him going round three on, on day two. Um, but nevertheless, I don't think it's going to kill him. A lot of people have put him down as this year's Damian Pierce. I can sort of see that happening where his, his value is going to go up. Um, and I think his value in these rookie drafts is is rising. So um, early on in the process, he was going sort of early th- third round. It's now sneaking up to the middle of, middle of the second round. So you have him to take him there. Um, and yeah, I think eventually Roshan Johnson, I think his value could go up and he could, he could lead this backfield. The other two are sort of complementary players rather than than workhorse back so um yeah uh, eventually i think his value is going to go up but um 206 is getting to that point where probably a little bit early for me to take him um but yeah certainly the the opportunities there yeah 207 rashi rice went to the chiefs i, I kind of expect him to be going a little bit higher based on the previous hype we've seen with young chiefs wide receivers uh miko hardman um we've got sky Moore. Uh, Justin Ross, who was last year's fool's gold shout by us, which was absolutely correct. Cornell Powell, he got some hype a little bit one year as well. So basically any young wide receiver lands with the Chiefs and the homes does get pumped up. But we've not really seen it. So maybe people are really um, feeling the burn with Sky Moore. I think Sky Moore was pick 54 last year. Rashi Rice pick 55. So for to be getting him mid-second this spot, I actually think it's not bad value. We know that if there's one hype video or one comment from Mahomes, you're going to get people in on him. And if he does anything on the field in his rookie season, unlike Sky Moore did, then it's you're going to see a value spike. So I can I can see the appeal of taking him, waiting for an opportunity, and, and pouncing when he does cost. Pick 55 is not terrible. Draft capital is a really good prospect as well. Um, so, yeah, a little bit shocked. There's not much, um, much more hype on Rashi Rice. Yeah, and then at the 208, we've got Marvin Mims, the, the wide receiver for, for the Broncos. Again, this is a guy that I was really excited by leading into the NFL draft. I think he was a lot of guys' potential sleeper out of this wide receiver um, class coming into to the NFL draft. And the landing spot, again, is, is really interesting to me. Seeing Sean Payton move up to the back end of the second round to, to go out and get his guy. I feel like he's, he's brought in a guy that's a little different to, to the other wide receivers that are over there at at Denver at the minute it feels like a, a need that they had they needed that burn obviously KJ Hamler's not really turning into what they hope that speeds the guy so they've had another guy Marvin Mims who's got that elite speed got solid production at Oklahoma um, and he comes in he's obviously got a crowded situation in terms of Jerry Judy there um, Colton Sutton as well and then I believe Tim Patrick's coming back as well but he's obviously coming off that ACL injury so I think there's potentially a chance that he could fight for that wide receiver three role as I say with uh, with Patrick overcoming that that injury currently um, and if he can take advantage of that role and, and develop into into that kind of player that, that they were hoping they were going to get in, in a KJ Hamler, I feel like he can really take the top off, off opposing defences. While it could be a little bit boom or bust in, in terms of fantasy, if he can really solidify his role, I believe he can be used in a variety of different ways. We've heard rumours that the, the Broncos may be looking to move one of the wide receivers. Obviously, that's not developed at the moment, but if Colton Sutton was to move, then I feel like we're going to get a real spike in, in Marvin Mims' value for, for fantasy. So again, at this point, you're getting a wide receiver that was selected in the second round of the NFL draft. Um, going into a, maybe a situation that people don't think is great at the moment, but I feel like that could that could change pretty quickly. So again, at this point in, in your, your rookie draft, I think you're getting like decent value at the 208 spot. 
absolute stud Marvin Mims. Pick him <laughs> up. We'll move to another stud at the 209 in Tajay Spears, running back selected for the Tennessee Titans. Pick 81. So round three, which is absolutely fine. I think that's exactly where he was expected to go. And a lot of people have touted that it's, it's not a very good landing spot, obviously, behind Derek Henry, the, the king in the NFL. Um, but Derek Henry, we know it, it's said every single year that Cliff is coming. He's getting up there in age. He's getting towards age 30. Um, I still believe he can go on longer if he wants to. But will that will that body take it? Will it start to break down? Um, will they start to, to lessen the, the workload on, on Derek Henry? Um that's where Tajay Spears can come in handy. I think he's a great complement to what Derrick Henry does. Um, there is obviously them fears with with Tajay Spears with his with his ACL with his missing ACL. Um, it's not great, um, but yeah, if he if he gets if we get three to four years of of Tajay Spears because this injury could shorten his NFL career, that's absolutely fine for a, coming on to a late second round pick. I've seen him go as far as late as the, the mid third round as well. So. I'm happy to take a shot on Tajay Spears here. I think the talent is absolutely there. Um, and I think the opportunity is there. I think Tennessee as a team, I think they're going to be going into a rebuild. Obviously, they've selected Will Levis at, at quarterback. Um, I think eventually they're going to move Derek Henry on. They're going to get cheaper. They're going to go into a rebuild. And then Tajay Spears has got a chance from next year to be the lead down on that team. So I think the value is there to take him at, at the back end of the second round because I think... If Derek Henry goes down to an injury or he moves on at any point um, or retires, then you're going to see Tajay Spears have a, have a spike in value. So, um, yeah, I think this is the right spot for him. Yeah, 210, we've got Josh Downs, who a big fan of pre-draft. And then as we got closer and closer, realised that draft capital made wasn't going to be what we expected. And um, Drew, it, it, it was correct, wasn't it? It was a Drew round three draft capital. Um just a real shame because I think talent-wise and what it puts on, on tape is, is great. He's a smaller guy is going to be in the slot for the course between those two those two big guys on the outside, Pittman and Alec Pierce. So I think, yeah, it, it, in the middle of those two guys, it's a little bit like a burger, isn't it, those? Um, but if I had to compare it to a burger, I'd probably call him a McMuffin because it's not, it's not a great burger to be in, really. I think if he was around two or... Very, very a back end of round one, you'd be putting him in 109, 110 spot in your rookie drafts. But unfortunately, he's got going going around later 210 in your rookie drafts. I think you, you're probably going to get people gambling on the, the prospect, but we know that for the hit rate for round three wide receivers is uh, pretty poor. So, yeah, you might have better picks at this spot. And now we go to, to the 211 spot. Jaden Reed, the wide receiver, like to buy by the Packers. Again, this is a guy that I wasn't super high on going into the NFL draft. I feel like a lot of people weren't that high on, but obviously the Packers had their, their eyes on this guy and they, they took him pretty early. I think it was pick 15 in the NFL draft in, in the second round. So at least he's getting that really solid draft capital. But I think that the really interesting thing with Reed is actually the situation that he falls into in terms of it's not really a crowded wide receiver room at all in over at Green Bay. Obviously, the selected Christian Watson last year in, in the second round, and they're now adding another wide receiver. It's funny how all this is happening after Aaron Rodgers has left that they're, they're bringing in more targets in 
in this year's NFL draft, but by selecting Jalen Reed, I feel like they're bringing in a guy that, that, that they obviously have, have a need for. They, they need to bring some bodies in to this wide receiver corps. And I think the big thing for me is seeing just how well Jordan Love performs. That's going to be a big factor on on how Jalen Reed um, performs in his, his rookie season. But as I say, in terms of situation and, and the opportunity he's going to get for targets, I feel like he can compete straight away with a guy like Christian Watson and potentially push to, to maybe even be the wide receiver one on this offense straight away. Um, next year or at least compete with, with Christian Watson in terms of, of targets. So the, the situation is really interesting, but like we always say in fantasy, it's, it's talent over situation. And me personally, I'm not super high in terms of in the talent, but I do have to respect that he got that solid draft capital. The situation is obviously impressive as well. Um, so I think at this spot, this is this is fine to take him. You can maybe push him a little bit higher in terms of that, that draft capital. But as I say, he's not a guy that I've been super high on before the NFL draft. So... Um, a lot's going to boil down, I think, to, to Jordan Love and how he performs um, in his first year as a starter. Yep, and that moves us on to the back, the end of round two. So two twelve, we'll talk about our first quarterback tonight. Could, I think this is our only quarterback we're going to talk about. So Hendon Hooker is settling at the two twelve in ADP. Got drafted by the Detroit Lions, pick sixty eight, early round three draft capital, um, which was disappointing really because there was a lot of talk that Hendon Hooker. There was that chance that he could slip into the first round if a team wanted the third year, the fifth year option on him. Um, but no, he didn't. He slipped right, right through round two and ended up in, in early round three in Detroit Lions. Snapped him up. I think it's a, a great move by them. Um, obviously, they've got Jared Goff at quarterback right now. And there's talks that they're looking into an extension for, for Jared Goff. It'd be interesting to see what that what that looks like because he performed really well last year. But I think they need him to take an, another step this year. Um, and that's where Hendon Hooker comes in because he's a guy that he's a winning quarterback. He's an accurate quarterback. He's obviously an older quarterback prospect. Um, but I think he's got the chance to start in the NFL with with his ability, with his talent. Um, and could it be at Detroit? Well, if you take him at the back of the second, which seems to be where his ADP's fallen now, obviously it seems to have been higher just after the draft but with what the Detroit Lions have come out and said that it's going to be a red shirt year for him. Seems to be falling slightly. Um yeah, if he gets a chance to start in this this offense, this high-powered offense, got a great O-line, I think he's you're going to make absolute money from this pick. So if you're getting him late second, even early third now, I think it's a great pick in Superflex because he's a guy that you can stash away on your taxi squad. And yeah, if he gets the chance to start ahead of Jared Goff by any, you know, if he gets down to injury or whatever, um, you're going to see a spike in value. So, so that's where he settles at the end of the, the second round. Um, and that moves us... Nicely on into round three and over to you, Kev. Yeah, round three on to me and 301. We've got Tank Bigsby who went to the Jags and um, a little bit like Zach Charbonnet, the landing spot's not great and we have seen a value dip on him, but the talent's really there. Like if he was landing with one of the prime spots like your, your Bengals, your Dolphins, your, your Cowboys, he'd be in round one, I think. Um, so I just feel that Really good size, three down capabilities. Yes, his college work, work's not been fantastic, but just the potential is really enticing there. I know we had um, we had a good friend Jordan Merritt on last year who talked up Tank Bigsby. Uh, so I think he's a prospect. Really like him. I think in round three, running backs is where it's at for me, and he's an ideal guy to be targeting. I think he will get more work in the pass game than maybe people expect because ETN really doesn't. Um, and, and obviously there is some, a lot of weapons in the offence, but I think there will be a specific role for him to, to be involved. We know Peterson's always had to 
had um, running backs that maybe lesser known getting a shot or lesser draft capital. So I'd expect him to, to put points. It's just when will it be that guy? He'll, he'll be a little bit like uh, Charbonnet and really top, top handcuff, I think. But um, I'm still buying in round three because you never know what can happen with injuries or trades in the NFL. Yeah, and then going on to, to the 302 spot, we move back to the tight end position and Luke Musgrave, who was obviously selected by the, the Green Bay Packers. When this selection happened, I actually really liked the landing spot. Obviously, we know there was a, a big void there at the tight end position, letting uh, Robert Tunyon go this this offseason has, has left them without really a starting tight end going into to next year. So when they selected Musgrave, this is a guy that all three of us really liked as a prospect. It's a little bit of an unknown because he's obviously struggled with the, the injuries in, in college, but I feel like the potential upside there in, in fantasy is, is definitely there for him. And as I say, landing in a situation where it looked great when it when the selection happened, but then the Packers went and selected another tight end that we'll probably talk about a little bit later. Um, a few rounds after him but I think being that first tight end selected I think he's getting the, the inside track of being the, the starting tight end out of the, the two that they selected obviously got the better draft capital and like I mentioned earlier this is a guy that I've seen a lot of people myself included adding a similar tier or the same tier as, as Sam Laporta so the fact that we're getting nearly a, a full round of discrepancy on, on their ADP feels like if you are able to get him at this point I feel like you're getting some really solid value at the start of the third round, getting a, a young tight end, as, as we always mention with, with tight ends, you, you can't be expecting um, fantasy production straight away, but Musgrave does land in a situation where he's got that opportunity, potentially being the starting tight end. As I mentioned a little bit earlier with Jaden Reed, there's not a great deal of weapons there with the Packers. Um, we know Jordan loves making his, his first full season as, as the starter. We know that young tight ends, uh, young quarterbacks tend to target the tight end position as that kind of safety blanket. So, Maybe there's a, a shot of Luke Musgrave being one of the, the productive young tight ends out of this this rookie class. So I think getting him at this point, um, the, the start of the third round is is great value. And um, yeah, as, as I mentioned with Jaden Reed, a lot's gonna gonna come down to, to how Jordan Love performs in his, his first year as a starter. But um, I feel like he's gonna be a guy that Jordan Love could potentially fall in love with um, quite early. Yeah, moving on to the three oh three, we find Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver for your New York Giants, Matt. And a guy that pre-draft you were probably having to, or in the mocks, was certainly going a lot higher than the 303. There was a lot of people thinking that Jalen Hyatt was going to be the, the sort of the next tier down after the big four wide receivers went off the board. Um, wasn't the case. Um, slipped to pick 73, um, round three. So he was actually the 10th wide receiver off the board. So it was a bit disappointing for, for Jalen Hyatt to be the 10th wide receiver um, taken in the draft. But lands, lands in a really good spot, I think, for me. Um, the New York Giants, they've got obviously a, a big need for for wide receiver. There was a lot of talk that they were going to go round one and take one of these wide receivers. Um, but they, they start with Jalen Hyatt, the speedster. Um, I think he's just going to bring something a bit different to what they've already got in, in New York. Um, I think he can play, obviously, in the slot, but he can play out wide as well. So I think that's hopefully where they're going to be using him. Um, and hopefully he's just not that speedster. There's just a one-trick pony. Hopefully they're going to be creative in how he's used um, because I think he can be incredibly productive in in the NFL. Um, and it's, it might be worth taking a shot on it because I've seen him go go later than this in, in rookie drafts. Um, this is the spot where we ideally like to hammer hammer running backs. Um, but if you've got a guy that's talented like like a Jalen Hart at this spot, um, perhaps it's worth a shot in the, the middle of the, the third round is probably where I'm happy to take him. Um, but yeah, a little bit disappointed from pre, pre-draft. Um, but settled at this spot where I think he's, he's cheap enough to take. Yeah, 304, we've got Chase Brown, the running back who went to the Bengals on day three. I think 
him landing with the Bengals has pushed him up draft boards, but actually pre-draft, us three were all really high on Chase Brown. So a little bit disappointed from that respect, I guess. We need to be doing more rookie drafts before the NFL draft, <laughs> and then we'll we'll creep that value like I would have done with Anthony Richardson. But um, Chase Brown, I think, excellent prospect. Um, he was expected to be a day three guy, so no shocks there. It's an opportunity. He's got to beat out guys like Chris Evans and uh, Travion Williams. So um, you, you'd fancy him to have a really good go at that. Um, but yeah, I just think round three, four, you want to be targeting running backs. He's someone I'm, I'm very much interested in. I don't expect him to be the starter short term or long term, but he's someone that can contribute, get starts, and gives you that value spike to them uh, flipping for a, for a two. Yeah, and then back to me for the 305 and another rookie tight end here with Luke Shoemaker, the tight end for, for the Cowboys. Again, this is another tight end falling into a potential good situation in terms of not a great deal of of, of name value at the tight end position currently for, for the Cowboys. It was a position of need, as I mentioned earlier, with the Bills feeling the need to, to move above the Cowboys to, to take a tight end in Kincaid. So everybody knew that this was a, a need for the Cowboys and they've addressed that need. I think it was the third round that was selected to Shoemaker. This is a guy that... I don't think any any all three of us were really that into. We really knew that much about or or that high on him. Um, so it was interesting to see him get that that solid day two draft capital. But um, for me personally, this is a guy I'm probably not going to go at an attack at this point in in my, my rookie drafts. Like Ali mentioned earlier, we probably target the the running backs. And, and if I was going to pick one position away, I wouldn't target probably the tight end position. As I keep mentioning, it's a, a position that can take time to develop. And I think when you've got a guy like Shoemaker who maybe wasn't at the top in terms of, of talent-wise, as I said, it's not a, a strong um, tight end corpse that he's dealing with the Cowboys, but there's a few names over there um, with like Ferguson who was selected um, last year. So I think there's going to be competition for him to, to get an opportunity um, if he can get into it to being the tight end one, obviously we know um, how rewarding that can be with a guy like Dalton Schultz who's performed with the, with the Cowboys. But I feel like this is an offense that's going to run the ball a lot um, and maybe Shoemaker's not going to get that great deal of opportunity early. So as I say, he's probably not somebody that I'll be targeting at this range in, in ADP, but definitely somebody to, to keep an eye on, especially in tight end premium leagues, um, for somebody that can see an opportunity potentially in, in the near future. Yeah, then middle of the third round, 306, we find Cedric Tillman, um, another Tennessee out of college wide receiver um, landed with the Cleveland Browns. And again, it's it's a bit of a crowded room there at the minute um, with, with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. But it can be one, I think, that can eventually be fruitful. We've got Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's planned as that ex-receiver ex at the minute. Um, is Cedric Tillman going to be the guy that they draft to eventually um, when he moves on? Is he going to take over that role? Well, be interesting to see. Um, it's, it's at that, that point where not really looking at wide receiver too much. I do did really like Cedric Tillman pre-draft um, and I had hopes for where he landed. He probably would fall a little bit further than this, but at the 306, it's, it's probably a bit iffy for where, where I want to take him. Um, do really like the talent. He's obviously a different type of wide receiver in this in this class with a lot of small wide receivers. He's, he's a bigger guy. Um, has, has the talent. Um, obviously, linking with Deshaun Watson um, is great, but at the minute, it's a crowded room, so you might not get him too much immediate production out of Tillman. Um, but yeah, long-term, I think he could be a guy that could increase in value. So if you're able to get him perhaps at the back of the third round, um, that's probably where I'm comfortable to take him. Yeah, 307, uh, Matt's going to be fuming that I'm talking about this guy because <laughs> it's just the way it's fallen. But Zach Evans went to the Rams, didn't he, running back, um, went on day three, which it was a slide to us, but 
I just think it's a really good landing spot, really appealing. I'm not saying he's going to beat out Acres because I'm a big believer in Acres still, but I think for that backup role, it's him, Kyron Williams, I think. And to be honest, I've not been a Kyron Williams fan, so you can paint a pitch where he beats him out this year, and then Acres is a free agent next off season. So yeah, maybe he could be in, in line for a big big role as a rookie and potentially a big role going into his second year as well. I think. Talent-wise, obviously, five-star running back coming out uh, of high school. Him and Bijan were right there, neck and neck. So we know deep down the talent is there. There's the concerns about, obviously, playing behind. Oh, well, not playing behind, but seeding work to Kendra Miller, then seeding it to a, a pretty decent uh, freshman at Ole Miss. Uh, but, yeah, I think this point in your draft, 3 you you're not going to get many more, um, many better dart throws. Uh, if I can call him that, Matt, than <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then going to, to the 308, another running back that I think a lot of people were, were high on before the NFL draft, that's Israel Abanakanda. He's landed with the, the Jets, and this is another one where the, the situation isn't great. Obviously, the day three draft cap as well isn't great, but um, just going back to, to the situation, obviously landing with the Jets, um, we know Brees Hall, what he showed as a, a rookie, he looks incredible, obviously went down with the, the injury. Maybe this presents an opportunity for Abanakanda to potentially have some work early, if um, Brees Hall takes a little bit longer to, to re- recover from the injury, maybe he falls into a bit of a committee to, to start the year. But I just feel like overall that the situation isn't great. When Brees Hall is available, he's a guy that you've got to have on the field as, as much as possible. So I think the best case situation for Abanakandri is being in a committee behind Brees Hall. I feel like Brees Hall is going to be the lead back. He's obviously going to be competing with a, a guy that's an absolute stud in Michael Carter as well for, for competition in, in this backfield. So I think even best case scenario is we've got a Banakander in a, in a committee with a, a Michael Carter um, moving forward. But obviously, as I say, being being behind Brees Hall, who's still super young, he's, he's shown what a great talent he can be in the NFL. Um, even if it takes him a little bit longer to, to get back to 100%, when he's 100%, it's going to be his backfield. So really don't like the situation that he's landing. And I feel like even if you're, you're hoping that he's going to be potentially can develop into some kind of situation for him, even best case scenario, I don't think it's too great. So a real shame that a guy that a lot of people were, were hired before the NFL draft is sadly in a situation where he's, he's not going to see too much opportunity for fantasy. Yeah, then moving on to the 309, we'll talk about the smallest guy to ever be called Tank, and it's Tank <laughs> Dell, the wide receiver, <laughs> drafted by the Houston Texans to, to pair up with CJ Stroud. And yeah, I think I think personally this is, the uh, the rookie stack that nobody is talking about that could be could be fruitful throughout the next few years <laughs> in Tank Dell. I think at this point in the draft, I think I'm I'm very happy to take a shot on Tank Dell. I think his his he got decent draft capital. Looking at round three, he's obviously incredibly small. We've not seen too many wide receivers that size be successful in the NFL, um, but he could be a bit of an outlier. I think his his route running is exceptional. His release, there's a lot to like about Tank Dell. In a position with uh, the Houston Texans, where there's not a proven wide receiver one there, obviously Nico Collins. You've got John John Mechie coming back. We want to see how well he comes back. And um, but yeah, again, there's no no real alpha wide receiver there. So why can't Tank Dell have a have a role on this team? Um, and when you take him at the back of the third round, I think that's really good value personally. Yeah, uh, to be honest, so yeah, I agree with Tank Dell actually. I'm, I'm, I'm coming around to him, but not as much as you guys. <laughs> 310, Tucker Craft, Green Bay tight end, obviously. After Musgrave went early round two, I was, I was on Viagra, but by by round three, it was game over. I, I, I was spent just literally 
I think it creates a lot of a lot of clouds. Um, I've been taking some Musgrave just because I believe in the prospect. But yeah, the fact that Tucker Craft was taking the round after it does give me a little bit of worry. I think it just it makes me think of Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews, which probably might not be exactly how it pans out. But <laughs> just those worries that if you if you're taking two, they're both going to get a chance. It's not going to be simple as it is, especially being around a party in draft capital. Um, a lot of shrewd tight end people have spoke about Kraft being a pretty good prospect um, and that Musgrave does have concerns. So I think Musgrave is a higher risk, but Tucker Kraft seems to be um, a lot of the smart guys are on him. Rich Coolin, who we're good friends with. Um, also, um, people like I think Jacob Sanderson, David Gautieri, known tight end guys are also on Tucker Kraft. So, um, Hopefully they're wrong and it's all Musgrave. <laughs> yeah, and then at the 3.11 spot, I mean, this is crazy to say this name at the 3.11. If you, you just go back a, a year or so, he was the hottest name in, in college football from the wide receiver position. Um, but it's Kayshawn Booty um, going to, to the Patriots in, in day three. As I say, a, a fall from grace from a guy that, that had so much potential from, from such a young age as a, a freshman at LSU. Um, but things seem to have derailed. It's, it's been a, a downhill slope from ever since the, the injuries begin to, to, to appear in college. Um, struggled at the, the combine, obviously slipped in, in the NFL draft. But I think at this point, we're in a situation where you've got to take a shot, I think, on, on the, the talent that we have seen. As I say, it has kind of derailed a little bit over, over the last couple of years. But we've seen what he did from, from such a young age at, at LSU. And getting somebody like that at the back end of the third round, going to the Patriots, if anyone's going to sort out somebody that's obviously got some off-field issues, it's, it's Bill Belichick. He's going to keep him in line for sure. And if he, if he doesn't stay in line, then he'll not be around it at the Patriots for too long. So I think he's going in a situation where there's not even a great deal of competition in terms of the wide receivers obviously brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. But I feel like beyond that, it's, it's kind of just a lot of a lot of jags, a lot of just people that, that, that there's not really a great deal, deal of, uh, of talent there. So I feel like Keishon Booty, if he can turn things around, is able to, to get things back on track. As I say, he's got the coaching staff there that's that's really going to push him to, to keep on the straight and narrow and really focus on his football. So I feel at this point, you're, you're taking a shot on the potential talent there. We, we've spoke about him for, for years in, in terms of what he's done in college. So I think at this point, I'm, I'm happy to take a shot on him at, at the back end of the third round. Yeah, moving on to the three twelve, another intriguing sort of big name that was coming into the pre-draft process, and uh, Darnell Washington, tight end, selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the third round. Um, really disappointing. There was a lot of a lot of hype whether this is one of the guys that could slip in the first round, if not the second round in that group that was taken. But no, he was drafted as the eighth tight end, which is really not great. Um, there was some injury concerns, so Darnell Washington, the absolute mammoth of a guy um falls at the, at the pittsburgh steelers where clearly they've got pat frymuth as their um sort of receiving tight end there a guy that's highly regarded in the dynasty realms um i really like him i still really like him with dino washington here because i think i think dino washington is going to be used obviously in situations like a red zone target um that sort of situation and but i don't think he's going to be used too much i think this could be an awesome blocking tight end for for the pittsburgh steelers i think He's, he's just not going to be productive enough. Um, I had concerns, even if he's going to be selected in the second round, um, whether he's going to be a better NFL prospect than he is fantasy player. Um, just for him to slip to the third round, the eighth tight end off the board. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm out at this stage, especially the three twelve. Even in the fourth round, I was thinking I did take him in one spot, just in case. 
but even then it didn't feel it didn't feel great so i wouldn't be touching him here at the the 312. <clears throat> so we'll move into to round four and back to you kev yeah look that just in case that's got to be our catch phase Ali, i love that um <laughs> but yeah four and one we've got michael wilson the uh, cardinals wide receiver sounds like um i don't know sounds like like the head the uh, smartest guy in your class at school don't he michael it's a bit of a swap but um yeah we'll have, we'll have to see if it's a smart move by the cardinals I, i've not heard too much about him uh, going this high in the draft in round three um, I know that Chris Sims really liked him using his top five wide receivers of the, the draft, so maybe Sims got one right, but we know the, the, the broken clock analogy, I think. Um, the, there's guys on the canals that are still interesting appealing for me, obviously. Hopkins with a bounce back, Marquise Brown, Trey McBride. There's guys that you want to root for, maybe even Rondell Moore for the walls, but um, Michael Wilson, I can't see. Him being a, a round three guy, it just screams to me that they see him as a complimentary piece, and can never see a ceiling for a guy that profile-wise wasn't uh, outstanding pre-draft. Yeah, and then at the 402 spot, going to, to the running back position again with Eric Gray selected by by the Giants on, on day three. I feel like this is a potentially interesting landing spot now. We know, obviously, Saquon Barkley is hopefully going to sign the, the franchise tag and be the starting running back foot for the Giants next year. But we've seen that Barkley's obviously had his, his injuries through, throughout his, his career in the NFL I feel like behind um, Saquon Barkley, the Giants don't have a great deal of, of depth there. Obviously got Matt Brader there. And this is a guy, Eric Gray, that they've selected that I think a lot of people were actually quite high on as a potential mm-hmm. sleeper out of the running back class. He's, he's got the side, he's got decent speed to him. And I feel like he can really compete with with Matt Brader to be the RB2 um, in this backfield. And as I say, if anything were to happen to Saquon Barkley for, for whatever reason, Eric Gray's then got a shot at being the starting running back for the New York Giants. Which is is going to be great. We've seen the production that Saquon Barkley has, and while this is a, a talent nowhere near what Saquon Barkley is, um, he's still going to get the opportunity of being potentially the starting running back for for the New York Giants, uh, an offense that's improving um, under Brian Dayball, and I feel like he's he's got that potential opportunity if it's were anything to happen to, to Saquon Barkley. So at the fourth round, you're taking dart throws here, going for for running backs, and if he does become the starter for whatever reason, then you, you're guaranteed you're getting a bump in value here because we obviously know that the need of running back in, in fantasy and everyone needs to, to fill that position when, when things start getting tough during the, the in-season. So I feel like taking this dart throw at Eric Gray at the, the start of the fourth round is is a, a pretty solid area to, to target him. Yeah, then very similarly at the 403, we've got another another runner back that looks like a, a handcuff. Um, in Deuce Fawn, a guy that, got drafted to the Dallas Cowboys yet yeah, in the sixth round. Um, a guy that is incredibly small, but he's really, really fun to watch. I think he plays a lot bigger than what his size is um, and really has a fantastic shot at the minute. If you look at the Cowboys um, roster, their, their depth depth chart, you've got Tony Pollard, obviously signed um, signed for one year on the tag. Um, and then, yeah, it, there's no Zeke Elliott anymore right now. So, so Deuce Vaughn could slot in as that that number two running back um, and have a role right right out of the gate. So out of out of game one, he could see some some production. Um, obviously, Tony Pollard has his his injury concerns. He's not a guy really that you want to um, use as a workhorse back. We've seen we've seen him be seen him be useful, um, but he's not sort of between the tackle sort of player. Um, so yeah, Deuce Fawn I think could have a could have a role in a, in an offense that's incredibly explosive, puts up lots of points. Um, so yeah, running back. In round four, in a in a really explosive offense, um, yeah, sign me up at the four oh three. I'm happy to take take our little old deuce at this spot. 
yeah, Faro foremost for first undrafted guy in Sean Tucker. So that was giving me giving me creepy vibes of Justin Ross last year as being a, a potential bust. But I think round four, first of all, it's it's not the round three that Ross was going last year. And look at the opportunity that he's got um, in terms of Ali's books backfield that um Rashad White has got question marks. I think it was Chase Edmonds, Keyshawn Vaughan, um players like that. Not amazing. And we know that Tucker he had a lot of hype until really late in the process till he was filming the uh filming his pro day on I don't know what filming on his uh, Nokia thirty two ten, I think it's being mentioned, but um I think we know that deep down there is some talent there. There's got to be some injury concerns, no doubt. But I think four oh four for an undrafted guy is it's, it's probably worth a gamble for me just on the talent that um, it does get the opportunity to, to flip him in the future. Yeah, and then at the, the 405 spot, staying with the, the Buccaneers and, and Trey Palmer, a guy again that they selected in, in day three, the, the wide receiver there. And this is a guy that I really liked as a potential super late sleeper. Um, probably one of the most explosive and, and fastest wide receivers out of this entire um, rookie class. So I feel like that was a kind of a need for, for the Buccaneers, obviously what they've got over there with Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin and, and Russell Gage. I feel like they really needed that that speedster on, on the outside. And I feel like Trey Palmer can can offer something there to him. But as I mentioned, with those three guys in, in front of him, it's hard to envision too much opportunity for him too early. Obviously, having that day three draft capital, it's hard to envision too much longevity to him. He's, he's really got a hit straight away to to kind of get any any value there, I think, in, in fantasy. This is maybe a guy that, if you're playing best ball formats, maybe you can be a little bit more interested in because I feel like he's somebody that could definitely have those those boom weeks. Um, if, if whoever the starting quarterback is, I'm assuming Baker Mayfield will will be the starter. But if if he can get that connection with, with Trey Palmer, as I say, in best ball formats, we could have those couple of spike weeks. But I think overall, not super in on, on the landing spot long term. Um, and as I say, I think for fantasy, regular fantasy, PPR fantasy, you're maybe not getting too much value and, and long-term value in, in Trey Palmer. Um, but someone to, to look at in best ball. Can't believe we didn't get to talk about any of the two buckets. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good second prize, to be honest. And um, Dwayne McBride at the 406, a guy that I'm desperately trying to snap up in, in all my rookie drafts, um, just because of the opportunity this guy could have. And I was sneakily in on this guy anyway, pre-draft, a runner back from UAB. Um, got drafted in the seventh round, which obviously is not is not amazing. But the the Minnesota Vikings did take a chance on McBride, um, and then immediately he's it seems as if he's got an opportunity or a potential opportunity um, right out of the gate because see Dalvin Cook, there's there's question marks about him that possibly or looks like he's going to be cut right now in the next few days or, or sorry in June. Um, so it just leaves Alexander Madison who. Again, he's he's not had a big workload for his NFL career. Um, he was sort of more more of a one A one B sort of running back. So Dwayne McBride, I think, is is really interesting. He's got no pass catching ability. We've just not seen it at UAB. Um, but I think again, we want to draft running backs with upside at this this spot of the four hundred six that could see spiking values, and that you could then move on um, and and create profit that way. I'm happy to take Dwayne McBride at four hundred six. Yeah, I think that's a a great spot to take him and I would would suggest to try and do so in the next uh, the next few weeks. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. 406 is a great spot for him and 407, a great spot for this guy as well. Evan Hall running back for the Colts. And like we said, running backs, um, we will tend to target these guys round three and four. I think the interesting thing is Shane Steichen, the new coach there, he's got no ties to other backups like Zach Moss. 
like Dion Jackson, who've both flashed a little bit and done really well when when Taylor's not been there or they they've had the opportunity to to show out. So um, it might seem more of an uphill task than it actually is for Hull, but I guess the main thing is just making that that roster first of all. Or, Worst case, a taxi squad and hopefully a quick activation. I think lots of pass catching ability, um, a little bit under the radar um, through most of the process, but some really good numbers. Um, I just hope he's better than the last Colts running back that I was on uh, last year, Devontae Price, because he's, uh, he's now working in Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah, and then at the, the 408 spot, we go to Josh Wilder, tight end, selected by, by the Tennessee Titans. And I'm just going to come out straight off the bat and say I wouldn't be touching him here at, at this point in, in my rookie draft. Like we've mentioned time and time again with these rookie tight ends, you, you don't really get that production. But now we're talking about a guy that was a day three um, selection. He's behind Chigo Conquer, who had a really solid rookie season last year, far more athletic of a tight end and, and in fantasy that's the, the tight end we tend to gravitate towards with a lot of hype behind um Chica Conquer at the minute so I feel like you're getting a, a backup tight end here at the, at the 408 spot with, with day three draft capital I think the only thing he could maybe offer is a, is a red zone threat when he played in Cincinnati I think he had 15 touchdowns in in his four years um despite not playing too many games and having that much opportunity in terms of of the reception so I think that he's getting a, a potential red zone threat over there in in, in Tennessee but as I say, in, in, in my rookie drafts, he's probably not a guy I'm going to be targeting at this point. I've seen him fall to waves in pretty much all of my rookie drafts I've done so far, and he might still even be on there, to be honest, in, in a lot of leagues. So uh, for me personally, not somebody I'm, I'm, I'm actively targeting, but um, yeah, who knows it develops behind Chica Conquer. Yes, yeah, so similarly at the 409, we've got another tight end where probably probably not very interested in, in Brenton Strange from the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, but a guy that surprisingly got better draft capital than, than certainly I expected in the second round. So it does make him slightly interesting, the fact um, Evan Ingram's there, but whether that could be a short-term out and again for, for one more year, who knows? Um, Brenton Strange could be a guy that has a much bigger role or a bigger role in, in a year's time, um, but I'm certainly not going to bank on it. He seems to be much better blocking tight end than he is receiving tight end. I think he's, he's fairly athletic, though, so you could see a couple of highlight reel plays um, but yeah, it's, there's plenty of options in the Jaguars' offense. Um, I don't think he's going to be looking uh, Brenton Strange way very often. Um, so yeah, let let somebody else draft him in the fourth round. Um, but yeah, I'm probably probably not going to touch him. I might pick him up on, on waivers, perhaps for one share. Um, but that'll be it. I'm taking quite a bit of Strange actually. I think it's just to match my uh, personality. But four ten, four ten, Tyler Scott. Um, pre-drafted I'd be snapping your arm off to get him here but yeah for him to be a day three wide receiver it's a, a long shot I think really like the talent um when he played at Cincinnati in college but um and, and yeah the Bears it's it's wide open I know there's Mooney and Claypool the two and three there but I think they're they're both uh they've both really not hit the heights in in Chicago so you can tell you can tell a fake story where he's the wide receiver too in a couple of years, but it's not going to happen now, is it? With him being a, a day three guy, but um, yeah, just he's not someone I would be going after at this point now. Just with the, the draft capital, I think um, this stage I'm I'm more going for running back pretty much ninety percent of the time. If not, I'll be getting strange. 
Yeah, I'm going to the 411 spot. I love that I get to talk about my, my favorite guy, my, my sleeping Puka Nakua, and the wide receiver selected by, by the LA Rams. Like I've mentioned a little bit with, with Tyler Scott, obviously going in, in day three wasn't wasn't great, but I feel like the situation that he's landed in could be really interesting for, for Puka Nakua. Um, if you, you look back to, to how he was used in, in college, he's a real kind of gadget player, a guy that can be used in a, a variety of different ways on screen passes, jet sweeps. And a lot of people have comped him to, to Robert Woods and his style of game. So I feel like landing with the LA Rams could be potentially really interesting. The fact that he's even got the same number as what Robert Woods has. thats I mean, everything's lining up for me here and, and I'm getting far too excited <laughs> by Bukunikua, a guy that's a day three wide receiver. I know I shouldn't be in on him at all, but... I feel like this is like the, the back end of the fourth round. You, you're most likely getting him off your off your waivers as well. So I feel like he's worth taking a shot on because beyond Cooper Cup, there's not really a great deal um, of talent there in the, in the wide receiver room. Obviously, there's guys like like Van Jefferson that, that can can definitely perform in the NFL. But I feel like it's a real shot for him to have some kind of relevance here. So yeah, I absolutely love Pukaniku and the potential opportunity he's got so, sitting and learning behind Cooper Cup as well. I mean, that, that can't be a bad thing either. So. Um, yeah, a guy that I've spoken about plenty before, and um, yeah, Ali, you're gonna have to jump in and, and stop me because I'll keep going if not. <laughs> <laughs> I think this has landed nicely for you, Matt. You talked about several tight ends, and then you finished on two. <laughs> <it>, so, um, <laughs> I'll finish. I'll finish the the end of the fourth round on Xavier Hutchinson, a guy that I did tweet about a little bit coming into the pre-draft process. I think he was a sneaky guy for me. I'm really disappointed to see he got sixth round draft capital. Um, but again, he's been drafted to the, to the Houston Texans. Um, the same with Tank Dell is, a, is a, a place where there's not an established wide receiver one there. Um, there's just some, a load of veterans there. Um, and then these two rookies that have been drafted. So, um, yeah, I think Xavier Hutchinson is is a, a sneaky player, a guy that if he does fall to waivers, is a guy that I'm interested in. Um, I've got a couple of shares with him already. Not, not got the highest ceiling, um, but he's a twitchy guy. I think he can be semi-productive. Um, but yeah, probably still leaning on on some of these these running backs in this position. So um, even at the four twelve, I'm probably still still not touching him. Yeah. So yeah, go on, Kev. Just going to say we've got a bit of time, haven't we? We didn't really plan for this, so <laughs> shall we just tell jokes for a bit? But no, we'll, uh, <laughs> we're we're going to give like our, our best of the rest. So anyone that would potentially be undrafted in your in your four round rookie draft so um one guy that stands out to me is keaton mitchell um the guy that um unfortunately go undrafted and land with the ravens but i look at that backfield i see dobbins out of contract i see uh, after the season you see um gus edwards um other guys like that so as um justice hill so there's you can tell yourself a story where he's going to make the roster as a running back three or a taxi squad guy that's going to be the first activated guy it reminds me a little bit of Tyler Bailey last year, similar uh, sort of size guys where you're just hoping for the opportunity. I think Bailey did actually show it for the Broncos towards the end of last season. So got to try and match that with uh, with Keaton Mitchell, a guy that I did write about a DLF shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to stick to kind of the, the same reasoning, the same system here and go for, for another running back in. Chris Rodriguez, a guy that uh, the Washington Commanders selected in, in the sixth round of the NFL draft. Now, obviously, we know that that backfield currently. Brian Robinson is the, the guy that selected last year in the third round. Antonio Gibson's there. But Gibson's coming up to his, his final year of his, his contract. Brian Robinson, while I think he's he was okay in the NFL, not really somebody that I was ever super high on. 
I feel like Chris Rodriguez has got an opportunity of being the, the third running back in, in this backfield. And as I mentioned, Antonio Gibson coming into the final year of his contract, somebody that struggled with, with injuries over the last few years as well. Um, and Rodriguez is kind of going in. He could potentially be the goal line back straight off the back. Obviously, Brian Robinson has, has been great in that role, but Rodriguez has also been really productive in college. Um, with, with Kentucky, he was used as that goal line back. I think he got like 32 touchdowns, I believe, in his, his four years. So somebody that can definitely find his, has got a nose for the end zone. So similar to, to Kev's reasonings, I'm, I'm targeting a, a, a running back at this point um, on my waivers that can potentially have an opportunity where anything to happen to, to the starters in, in front of him. Uh, Kev wants me to talk about Stetson Bennett right now, but that's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> he did unbelievably see get drafted ahead of Hendon Hooker um, today. So so there's that. Perhaps I should talk about it. But no, um, there's probably the two running backs that I would talk about. So I'll have to shift to wide receiver and I'll talk about Charlie Jones from Purdue. Um, drafted by the, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, at the back of the round four. So not bad draft capital for a guy um, that I thought could slip a bit further than that. Um, so, you know, they've got their two, or well, they've got three really good wide receivers. But Tyler Boyd is, is in, his, in his final year, I think. And um, Charlie Jones is a guy that, that is projected to, to play in the slot. Um, yeah, they've not really got an established tight end there right now. I think of Smith, they're hoping on and him being healthy. And, uh, yeah, I think there's there's a role perhaps for Charlie Jones, um, depending on what happens with, with Tyler Boyd. And they're obviously going to have to play their top two wide receivers shortly. Um, so, yeah, I just think... If especially he's going undrafted, I think he's worth a, a waiver bid on picking him up because it is an incredibly productive offense and he could could have a little role. So yeah, there's that. And with that, that brings us to the end of, of tonight's show where we've completed a, a rookie deep dive of players with, with ADP between rounds two and four. So just before we go, because we've got 30 seconds, I want to mention the stream of on again happening this, this Saturday, the 20th of May um, from 10 a.m., UK time to 2 a.m., which is 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. U.S. Eastern time. Um, we could be raising all that money for Mind Charity. So, um, yeah, please, if you can, help us out. We can have some incredible guests come on. It's going to be a really fun day. So jump in when you can. Give us a listen. We're going to be on air all day talking about all the NFL teams from a dynasty perspective. Um, yeah, just any sort of donation you can give is, is really greatly appreciated as we try and hit our, our target. So thank you for tuning in. Be sure to follow us and subscribe on Twitter and YouTube at Fantasy Wildcard and at Wildcard Dynasty. And then join us for our show um, every single Wednesday. Thank you once again. Have a good one and we'll see you again soon. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.